again, today we're talking about this idea of going for things. And specifically today we're going to talk about purpose. Purpose. We know, all of us who are in Jesus, know that we have a purpose in Christ. That God designed us, He crafted us, He created us for a purpose. When we learn how to conquer fears, we stand in this purpose that God called us to. And once we understand the purpose that God called us to, after we've come back to the fears of life, and after we've brought our race hard, then we can come to this place of unadulterated commitment. This place of unadulterated obedience. Where we stand before God with all that we understand, God, I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to be who you called me to be, regardless of what it costs. So today, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 22. I heard someone phone pop off about the good thing. That means someone's sharing the broadcast. If you have your phone out with your Bible app, go ahead and get online and go ahead and share that on Facebook if you'd like to. But it says this, Mark chapter 4, verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret but that which would come to light. Now, these are the words of Jesus in speaking to folks like us and talking about okay, the, the life of the world that's around us. Sometimes it feels like maybe it's diminishing us, putting us into a box. Maybe we don't understand all of God's purpose and plan for our life. Maybe we haven't just caught the vision yet. We're not sure what God has for us. He's not hiding it from us so that we never are revealed the purpose and plan that God has for us. But you can't hear very specifically that there's nothing hidden that it can't be revealed. There's nothing that's in secret that won't be brought to life. God wants to bring us to a place where He's exposing and showing to all of us the great destiny and purpose that He has for us. But first, we've got to believe that He actually has a reason for us being here. That we're not just wandering aimlessly on planet Earth. Again, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 22, or 23 and 24. But purpose in this life insists on coming to life. When God puts a purpose in our heart, again, it's not there to be hidden. It's not there to be, to be uh, kind of stripped away and hopefully someday we'll come to a place where it becomes a reality. If God puts a purpose and a destiny in our heart, He does it for a real reason, that we would show off and show the world what we are called to do. So this in verse 23 in Mark, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, and he went on to say, pay attention to what you hear, for the measure you use it will be measured to you, and even more will be added to you. So verse 24, sometimes we use this verse to talk about giving. It's a little bit out of context, but not totally. You can apply this to our finances, and you know, pay attention to what you hear, and when you do and obey the commands of God, it will be added back to your life, and good measure, and even more will be added. But really what Jesus was talking about and what Mark was trying to emphasize is that we would hear and know the purpose of God for our life, and that as we invest in God's purpose for our life, that what we invest in the world around us according to purpose that we're called to would be poured back on us in good measure, even added to us. So what does this mean in practical sense? Well, it means that you're called to be a mom, that when you invest in those kids, and you invest in developing them, and growing them, and training them to be all that God's called them to be, that you'll add more to you so you can be the best mom possible. If you're called to be a nurse or a caregiver, but when you give of yourself and care and concern for your patients, and the more you give out of that purpose to your heart, the more God will add back to you. But if you're a business person and you're called to make a lot of money to invest in the gospel, that once you understand that purpose, that God will pour into you the more you activate the purpose of your life. See, Jesus was being very specific. 
if you're here to hear, you need to hear this. You need to understand. It's simple. That you're called for a distinct purpose. You're called for a reason. You're not called to live life on the sidelines. You're not called to live passively. You're called to get invested. Because the more you get invested, the more will be added. The Lord will ask if you can have what I want to preach today. Once you've got ready offering. This idea of this church started in the small room in the back of the line here in Bengal, and as she said, it was a smelly and stinky room. Nothing's worse than smell of sweaty feet. That's what it smells like at the time. They tore the carpet up because people sweat so bad through the carpet through a hot yoga session, but one Sunday service, that room was barely as big as a city, by the way. So one Sunday service, they tore the room down in half in the middle, and we sat on one side of the room while the other side was being recarpeted. And then the other side, the next Sunday, was tore up, and we sat on one side while the other side was being recarpeted. It was literally such a mess that when people were laying on their backs and sweating profusely, they just seeped into the carpet. It's not why it was a big sweaty mess. And I always wondered, God, why did people come back? It's not the bill, it's not the coffee. I'm a nice person, but I'm not that nice now. What are people, what's going on? God said, hey, you're perfect. It's a motivation in your heart to do what it calls you to do. And as you do what it calls you to do, I will add back into your life good measure. I'll add back even more your gifts, your talents, your purpose, your calling. For those of you who know the history of the church, you know that it wasn't many few years after that we decided that we would try to help and, and connect with, and I don't know if is the right word, but connect with another church in the area that was thinking about transitioning from leadership. But that did not go well at all. In fact, it caused us a lot of momentum to be lost, and it, it really shifted us in a different direction. That didn't go well as far as what we were trying to do. It went amazingly in some of the people that were added to our family, and some people that were added to our community. People that have the pillars of what God's called us to do. In one instance, it looked like it didn't work out real well. But in the other instance, it looked like God just performed a miracle of miracles and added to it in a way that we could have seen possible. But why did that happen? Even though it was hard, we didn't say we're going to ditch our destiny. We said we're going to go through with the purpose that God's called us to. Even though not everyone played the game as I would have liked them to, God said, don't worry about that. We're going to move you into your destiny. I will add good measure to you as you experience what I've called you to do in this life. You're no different. Your life story is so different. The more that you invest in what God's called you to do, the more you have an ear to hear of what He's called you to do, the more you invest in what He's called you to do, the more He will add to you, the more He will add to your experience. If the divine voice, I believe, is silent in your life, it's because there's no obedient heart to receive it. Most of the time, we ask God, where you are, where you speaking. God, I need to feel you. I need to know your voice. God, I need to know what to do next. God, I'm at an impasse. I don't know what to do, Jesus. And we're waiting for God to speak. The divine voice, God's voice is always speaking. But are we ready to hear what he has to say and move on? So I'm hearing God's voice. We have to ask the question, are we obedient enough in our hearts to just move and do what God's called us to do? Regarding our purpose, hearing the voice of God is urgent business. When Jesus wrote this, or when Jesus spoke this, and Mark wrote this scripture, it wasn't allowed, it wasn't about hanging around and hoping someday it worked out. Jesus didn't speak this in urgency to those who were here. They said, 
have the ear to hear, let him hear. He didn't say, those have the ear to hear, ponder this for about 15 weeks, and then we'll decide if it's the right thing. He didn't say, sit on the sidelines for a while and try to figure out if this is really God's voice. He didn't say to them, in regard to their purpose, just hang out and hopefully all the details will work out, and it'll be a perfect path for you to run, and the life will just line up perfectly, and then you'll know it's your purpose. He said, if you have ears to hear, activate the purpose of God in your life. And don't worry about what's missing. You want to add more and more to it as you do what you're called to do. The purpose of God in our life is an urgent thing. Because nobody else can accomplish it than you. And you only have so many heads of those people coming in. But guess what? Everyone in this room, in about eight years, is going to be dead. I think we have like 10 year old in the room. Everybody in this room in eight years, anybody in the I don't want to get two more, but we can keep going down the list, right? Everybody in this room is going to die from the next Jesus comes back. So we only have so many days to accomplish the will of God for our life. We only have so many days to accomplish what He's called us to. That's why it's an urgent need. That's why when He speaks, it's something we need to activate quickly in our life. Regarding the purpose of God for our life, it is such urgent business. Such urgent business. We need to be aware that we are attentive listeners. That when God speaks, that we have ears to hear, and we're actually hearing what God's called us to. I struggle with this in life and ministry. I'm going to be very, very, very honest. I'm kind of a creative type of a person. Someone's looking for creative solutions when I hear the problem or when I hear the issue. Something my wife is sometimes. Sometimes we just listen to me. I'm like, no, I'll fix it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's getting dark. I don't even just listen to it. It's getting dark. Let's get to work. It's always like that. Sometimes you just want someone to listen. Then you have to be there. Shoulder the burden. What happened to be the fix? That's not how I'm wired. You come to me with a problem. All right, let's find a fix. I want to fix this today. Tomorrow, not later, I want to do it today. And sometimes, even with God, I know we all struggle with the time. God wants to speak his purpose into us. And we're still ready to fix these things of life around us. We're ready to move right now. We're like, look at those spirits. We're like, hey, I have a good idea. Sometimes it's not God idea, but sometimes it's a good idea. Holy Spirit, back up for a moment. I know you're God, you're divine, but just hold on a second. I think I figured this one out on my own. We all have this moment of transaction where we want to say, God, I'm really smart. I'm really good. I think I'm called on to your will, your purpose, your plan. Let me help more than you, Holy Spirit. Right? I'm not the only one who's done that. Come on now. And look at me crossways. You've been there too. Back when I was younger, I feel like I was When I was younger, we were working at a church in, in Kentucky. Around Halloween, they would have this kind of um, fear factory, I forget what you call it, a house or something. It was a hard house. And they needed a, they needed a car that was in car accident for one of the scenes. And it was a great opportunity to evangelize their community. Folks would come in like it's a hard house, and then they would get uh, the gospel message, and many kids would be saved. And so for part of that scene, I needed to speed up old cars. Well, we needed a car. I didn't ask the pastor about where we should find a car, or who staff where we should find a car. I just figured I'd find one on my own. Well, guess what? There's a car in the parking lot that looks old. And the tires were rotting off, and there was no air in them, and one of the windows cracked in the back. I thought, that was not a good car. I didn't see anybody. I just went and got a skid loader, changed the chains around, put the car about three or four times, got some students busted blacks out of it, and we're about to put it in the position exactly where we need it. And about that time, wouldn't you know, the owner of the car stepped up. 
driving through that little driving car in well over two months. The owner of the vehicle showed up. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my God. He was flipping, man. He was mad. He was sick. I mean, that's all for the mic for the He was really upset. Screaming and cussing me up down one side the other, one side the other. I have permission to leave this party. How dare you? We go to the pastor's office and get off the side right there. First job in ministry is totally over. My life is ministry dead. The purpose of God is over. I thought it was done. I'm going to have to go foreign trade somewhere, you know. That's the strategy of the bad thing. I'm just saying. Thank you. 
heart and the schemes and the joy of work to the lives of those who are spelled out in the scriptures and we can see a model in our lives as well. We need to understand how God works, how God moves, how God speaks. The process of living out our purpose is like learning anything. It's like learning anything from mathematics to learning something very difficult and very hard. We're here to work out. We hear something that God feeds into our spirit and into our life, and then we act and if we act inappropriately, they rebuke us. God doesn't rebuke us, the Bible says that he chastises those that he loves, that they're chastised when it was actually changed uh, by one of the folks to mean the beat and the brain. In fact, when it was originally written, the word chastisement meant to build like a child. So the father would move his child and show them the right path. So when God says he chastises those that he loves, he says, I'll show you the proper path because I love you. Now I'm going to beat you senseless because I love you. Even though that's how we live this in the scripture. When we hear God's voice, we need to be ready and emboldened to move. And even if we mess up, even if we screw up, understand, He'll bring us back in the center. He'll bring us back into the right place, and we can reset and restart. But some of us have become experts at cramming for a test. Who used to cram for tests in high school? Well, I was cheated out in cramming for tests. My mom and my mom feel that matter. I just have to call myself. So every Friday, the football team we used to wear ties, like a tie, uh, you know, a necktie. On the back of that necktie, you notice there's a little square, it's like a triangle, right? I'm putting a little piece of paper out and writing small little words on there. So when I'm doing my test, I can lean over and look at the bottom of my tie and just see all day long. It was awesome. <laughs> my mom's like, hey, it's my butt. I'm 40 years old, I can't do anything. Sorry. Almost 40. <laughs> Learn of me. 
spray everywhere, you get water everywhere, and the stage never really takes form. It's incredibly difficult to be a skilled artisan that makes complicated pieces of artwork from that high wheel. It's incredibly difficult to stand there and allow our hands and mold the clay to fasten the clay, to speed the wheel up and down as needed, to draw the brush strokes on ever so specifically, to keep that piece of clay up in the furnace to the right temperature so it doesn't pass and doesn't break, yet hardens under the pressure. Each of us are like that person. And often, far too often, we allow the fumbling hands of culture to try to make and shape us, and we never take form. But if we would stay on the wheel and allow the God of the universe to culture us, to carve us out, to set us apart, to craft our life, you will be an artist and vessel that the world has never seen. But we have to be honest with ourselves. What purpose are we striving for? What purpose are we going after? Our purpose? The purpose of the culture around us? Are we our own parents shaping our own vessel? Or are we intent on letting God move in the mold and shape us? How your destiny and how your destination become complete is that we find our sense of purpose in Christ. Your destiny is very simple, very simple concept. It's a divine event of your future self, a moment in time appointed by God that only you can fulfill. There's a future self, a perfect self that God has ready for you to walk into that vision of. It's a future ideal that you can someday manifest and make real in your life. But only God has a function and only you can fulfill it. And your destination is that divine place that God is sending you. It's the space that God carved out for you and then called you to. It's easy for us to recognize our destination. Go back to the cross city from this day. Lord said, what's an easy choice? But it was an easy thing to rest on the right side It was much more difficult in a room of about 10 people having phones off my iPhone to see what God could do and reveal a destiny that's ever taken shape. The destination is sometimes very easy. God, that's what you called me to. Maybe you called me to a certain company. Maybe you called me to a certain profession. God, maybe, maybe you called me to a certain geographical region. And get that. But sometimes it's more difficult to recognize the destiny that God has called you to. That, 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 that event, that future self that only you can fulfill. That place in Christ that only you can fulfill. That you are carved out specifically for. That the potter's hands are shaped and molded. And you are the only place that can fit that perfect placement. You're the only vessel that can serve those people. You're the only, you're the only concept that can do well in that environment. You're it. And if you don't come through, there are folks who will be lacking what could have happened, what they could have seen in the past, what could have been done in their life because we didn't step up to a place. Our destiny and our destination manifest as we understand our purpose. Our purpose is revealed as we endure and focus build our hearts and faces develop because we are trusting God. Anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark chapter 4 and verse 23 as we read before. Anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Understand your destiny and your destination. It's the purpose that God has for you. Understand that it comes as we 
focus ourselves, we narrow ourselves to the voice of God. Hope is rose to perfection. We're holding fast to what we have heard and what we've seen God call us to. The perfected nature of our lives, it grows, it matures, it develops as we stay focused on the Word of God, as we stay focused on what He called us to, as we are going to to accomplish what He's called us out to. Have your Bible turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my brother and brother, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. But when we work for the purpose that God has for us, it's not in vain. But God rewards us, and He rewards us infinitely beyond what we could ever imagine or understand. He says first, steadfast, immovable, always abounding to the work of the Lord, always doing what He calls you to do. Don't be pulled in one direction or another. Don't sidestep the anointing of God. Don't sidestep the purpose. Stay focused like a laser. You want to have, you want to have a joy to bring hope? Stay focused on the course that you're running. So a good runner knows that they don't have to see the entire course. They only have to see about 50 yards in front of them, 20 yards in front of them. They can see the course as they as they run the broad legs and they run the curves and the corners. They can see the course they take if they just trust their vision and what's in front of them. You and I can drive in the middle of the night with no lights from New York to California. We can get there with absolute darkness by the headlights that are on front of our cars. They might be 20, 30 yards down the road, but we only need to see the next few steps, the next few moments, in order to accomplish a great trip, in order to accomplish the vision and the purpose that God has for us. We don't have to have it all figured out. We'd like to, but we don't have to. Sometimes God does this crazy reveal moment where it shows us things that, man, they're so beyond us, they're so bigger than us, and we think, God, how could we ever accomplish that? But most of the time, God shows us the next step. Why? So that we're immovable. So that we're steadfast. So we're always abounding the good work that God's called us to. Knowing that our toil, that what we're working for, is not in vain. Knowing that we will finish our race, that we will accomplish the goal, and we will just stay free of course. Let's get the Bible to let turn to James chapter 4 and verse 7. He taking control. Many times it's easier than we realize. We can truly take control of our life. Many times it's so much easier than we realize. Realize this first sets it in the proper course and order. The James says, therefore, resist the devil and he will flee. It's a simple, simple, simple idea. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Let me help you out here. James is giving us a pattern. If we're to accomplish the purpose that God has for us, first we set out, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you told me to do. And the second thing we set out to do is to dismiss any other voice other than God. This word here for the devil, it actually is the devil, which is why it's talking about our adversary. But more than that, it's talking about anything that would direct us away from God's plan. And if that happens, those influences fall away. And let, me, let me explain it this way. How many of you were like dirty heathens when you were younger? I mean, like crazy heathens, like just drunk, wild on the weekends, but right now, and you know, it's just 
But you know, you were bad enough. But we don't have this moment where we've worked a full work week. We've been dog tired. We were younger. We just worked ourselves to the bone. And our friends come to us and say, party time this weekend. Come on, we're going to go out and have a big old celebration weekend. We're going to do all the things we know we shouldn't do. And it's young people. There's, well, there's security in numbers before we think of our friends are in it, and we're going to get into it, and it'll be fun and exciting. And, and, and what do we do? We stop and we say, you know what? I'm going to pass on this one day. And it'll look fun, and it'll look exciting, and it looks like something I've been into in my past, and maybe next week, but this week, you know, a lot of moments like that. Maybe you weren't again. Oh, this is done. Exaggerating for the point that maybe it was just one night and you knew that and you were just too tired to go out. You know, that's the context in which James writes the idea that we should resist the devil. But it might be something that we want to do. It might be something that we're drawn to do. It might be something that our culture, or maybe the whisperings of our adversary, to pull us in one direction or another, but that we can stand back and simply resist and say, it's not the time. That's why I like that person. I think so often we look at this word of resisting the devil, and we think we've got a Shonda Ronda who stole my Honda 14 hours in order to really resist the devil. I think sometimes we, we think in our mind that we've got to say these big, exhaustive prayers and you know, we, we've got to white knuckle it until we feel the power from God on us. Like we're going to have that He-Man moment. I heard the Thank you for that. No, the Bible is simple. Resist the thing I It's one of the, the, the most insane phrases in our culture. Just say no. But yet it's exactly what James is pointing to. When the devil and the adversary come up to derail us from our purpose, and we submit it therefore to God, we look at the purpose, the focus that we're called to, nothing else will do. No, I can't go there, I can't do that. It's not purpose. I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not the goal of my life. It's good, maybe it's something I want to do, but I can't invest my time or effort. God called me here. It's such an so that even the hunter says, we can't touch this one. He's got a goal and a purpose, and we're not going to derail him from what he calls him. We've come to that place in our lives where we say, listen, everything God has for me, that's all I want. I want nothing else. I want nothing else. If your purpose in mind, we submit, we resist. We see our destiny and our destination takes full shape. We submit to God. We resist. And what He's called us to starts to develop and burn in our heart in a way that we could never see possible. We know that God's called us to great and wonderful things. So the reality is, we love the end result. God loves the process. Why does God love the process? Because the process is where faith is manifest. The process is where we have to hear and hear the voice of God to develop faith. The process is where we have to stay steadfast to our calling. See, we want the end result. We want the cookie in the cookie jar, but God wants the whole action of breaking the cookies in order to develop our faith and who we are in Him. He wants all the ingredients messed up and pushy on our hands. He wants those moments where we're rolling out the individual dough balls and putting them into the oven. He wants the process, the work, because that's where we're developed. Even though there's a reward at the end. So many of us would forego the baking and get right to the cookies, right? I'm that guy. Even cookies, I'm kind of hungry. But for many of us, we'd rather get to the sweetness of life rather than walk through the process. The process 
is what develops and grows you. When I was younger, I wanted to say, you know, I was sitting in a Bible college class one time, and one of our professors was walking through this uh, very, very similar message, and he's talking about the process of growing in the leadership, and I thought, wow, your thoughts are just download on us. If you had a thumb drive, I'm in the back of my head, my purpose is complete hallelujah. And I all the rewards of that purpose. It's not worth We never mature into the person that we're called to be. As I've lived out life in ministry, and as we've started this person developed and grown, so much is happening along the process that I could not have done if I had stepped out of faith. If I hadn't worked through the hard moments, if I hadn't battled up the mountains, if I hadn't allowed the hand of God to carve out who we are, a purpose of who we're called to. We want the process to be over, and we want the goal, and God wants us to be refined in the process over and over and over. Now, we're not, I'm not very good at celebrating wins. I like to go on to the next thing. God likes to do that too, but He very much likes to celebrate wins. And now I've got to, I've got to learn, I've got to mature, I've got to grow. Theology, it's no 
God has told us. And we're all just cliched statements. Lord, I boasted as we went to university. We pulled a lot of them to sink into our heart and derail our purpose. In fact, I can tell you, out of the group that I graduated with, 75 individuals graduated from the School of Theology, less than 20 people actually went on to serve in ministry, and less than about 1% of them actually run a church. You can do the math, very that when you step out and do what God calls you to, there's going to be so many more attractive offers in the world and culture. There's going to be so many things that derail you, steal your purpose. But just be focused. Run It's something that is unsustainable. If you've never trusted God to this level, you've never said, God, all right, God, you can have my full purpose, my full attention. God, the destiny and destination you call me to go ahead, God, have your way. If you've never had that conversation with him, have it today and watch how it's going to be like. Watch what he calls you to do. Because it will be something that will spark inside of your heart. It will be so great and grand that you'll wonder how you could ever accomplish it. And he's not asking for you to find the end result of that. He's not expecting you. I have your hand in the cookie jar today. He's expecting you to start with the ingredients. I was preaching a sermon to similar sermon to a group of teenagers when I was a youth pastor. One of our very, very faithful volunteers came to me and said, I know what I want to do with my life. God has called me to be a junior high teacher. And he said, I want to run a young man's junior high school. I said, all right. That's like throwing raw meat to the wolves. I was like, great, I need more help in that area anyway. He spent six months with these kids. That was his commitment. By the end of it, he came to me almost in tears. I never wanted to do that again. So I thought you wanted to be a junior high teacher. He said, I know it changed my major. I want to be in computer graphic design. I never want to do that again. Thriving. Thriving. Thriving in his career. Thriving in his life. Beautiful family. Beautiful home. God building up things around him. Why? He thought he had a good idea. He thought he had a bad idea. He thought he had a service-filled idea that he would serve people by serving the best mind those little kids. God changed the direction. And you're not wise for that. You know that's okay. When you go out to do what God's called you to, you may put your hands to the plow and recognize, oh, I'm on the wrong path. That doesn't mean you turn around and go backwards. That means you switch gears. You switch paths. You, you switch things. You, you move over a little bit. Change in direction. I would encourage you to do whatever God's called you to do, whatever purpose He's laid in your heart. See to it that you commit to the process. It's a phrase that I've grown to love. A phrase that I've I've just grown to be teaching about Fall in love with the process of becoming great. Not the end result. Fall in love with the process of becoming greatness in your life. Becoming great in what you do. Becoming a great mom. Becoming a great dad. Becoming a great employee. Becoming a great spouse. Fall in love with the process of becoming great. You'll reach levels of greatness that you could never I want to encourage you that we end that service. And Lord, I love you. We love this church so much. We love what God's doing. We love even through COVID that we're thriving. 
means nothing if you don't have the right to go to the You know, I can love you with all the gifts that God's given us and given us first. I can love you passionately, but if you're not excelling in your purpose, we have failed you. The biggest fear of pastor has is not to the congregation The biggest fear of pastor has is not to the money that he comes The biggest fear I have is that you don't trust me enough. Oh, you find your focus in life. The biggest fear I have is that you would say, no, I can't trust him. Because he doesn't really feel it. He doesn't really love it. He doesn't really say, he doesn't really see but the moment you can tell us, we can help you develop in your purpose. We say we are not at all. Somebody is a busy thing to wonder. I've watched individuals who are on staff of this church develop and grow their purpose and meetings. I think it every minute of them. I've watched individuals who are a part of our family's lives develop and grow and leave. That's the meeting every second of it. But I know we did the right thing because we're being wrong as a Holy Spirit. So today, whatever God calls you to do, you have a moment of And know that you have glory and I am the first cheering you on. And if you see you today, and we don't see you again to the backside of heaven, you know that you have cheerleaders throughout life cheering you on to go and do what God 